episode 340, How Digital Front Doors Can Enable Value-Based Care. Today, I speak with Kristen Bagley. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. There's a next generation of digital front doors being created that open up to a patient slash member experience that folds in payer, provider, and employer data, plus behavioral data the patient themselves generates when they browse through content in there, because that's what it takes for a so-called personalized experience or patient journey to ensue. This is what I'm talking about today with Kristen Bagley, PharmD. In an ideal world, you'd have, for example, a member, patient, customer who goes to their doctor and is handed a tablet to fill out an intake form. When they hit submit, They get access to a digital front door that leads to a vast web portal inhabited by the doctor as well as the patient's payer and their employer. This personalized web portal then knows this patient has asthma and is non-adherent to their maintenance medication and is using their rescue med a lot because it's in the payer PBM data. The portal also knows the patient is searching a lot on content like What to do when you have a terrible asthma attack? Further, the portal knows that the patient's current doctor visit, the one where they're filling out the intake form, is about a respiratory chief complaint because it's in the doctor's data and also on that intake form, which, by the way, was immediately uploaded with structured insights available to all parties sharing the portal data. Now, everybody who needs to know knows this patient is at obvious rising risk. What can happen now? Lots of things. Because the portal knows what's included in the patient's benefit plan, there can be a proactive reach out to get that patient into an available whole longitudinal program before they wind up in the ER. Maybe that's a point solution. Maybe that's a high-quality doctor offering a bundle. Which leads me to the whole value-based care part of this. Front doors are not only for patients to get steered to the best provider, maybe one with a value-based arrangement, but also, in a way, a front door for providers and payers to work together. A portal can be the hub, if you will, the shared neutral interoperable space for all the parties who need to share space for their value-based arrangement to work out. In fact, some of these portals are taking on risk themselves. Like, you guys all use our portal for your value-based arrangements, and we'll guarantee this level of performance in those arrangements. Portal sharing risk and taking upside becomes even more relevant when the portal comes with its own network of existing provider users, for example. Provider users who want to be paid for value, and also with EHR data and direct access and influence over patient care. It's the old network effect. But besides helping make sure the patient gets the right care at the right time. Digital front doors also have the potential to ease patient administrative burden. While there's lots of well-placed attention on affordability, patient admin burden, administrative burden, means delayed or foregone care. That's as per a new study by Michael and Kyle, PhD, and Austin Fract, PhD. Link in the show notes. 
Kristen Bagley is chief commercial officer at Wildflower Health right now, but she started out as a pharmacist before she defected to the business world. She has spent time in the pharmacy space with big companies and small companies before transitioning into the value-based, risk-based world. She's now at Wildflower leading sales and account management, and she knows a whole lot about digital front doors. My name is Stacey Richter. This podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Kristen Bagley, PharmD. Welcome to Relentless Health Value. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here, Stacey. I am very excited to have you, my friend. I think that digital front door is one of those terms that everybody says, and I don't know what people are, are, are picturing when they hear it. When somebody says digital front door, is it like an app? Is it a phone number? Is it a intake form? It's an entry point, whether that be a web-based portal or an app on a phone. It's some place that a healthcare provider or payer or point solution can connect to the patient. That's what we mean by a front door, whatever that entry point is. Right. And those could be hospital, payer, employer, point solution, direct consumer, whoever that might be, trying to help a patient be more engaged in their healthcare. It could be on the website. It could be an email blast that you get from your payer. Any of those can be an entry point into your healthcare system. People are using the term digital front door. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's a, you know, warren of interconnected entities behind that digital front door. I mean, it could be a vestibule and that's it. You know what I mean? Like once you go through that door, it could be a very tiny thing that's behind it. What we're talking about is the exactly. door, not what's behind it per se. Exactly. And what you're touching on, Stacy, is really the next generation. So in healthcare, the next generation of digital front door is connecting all those stakeholders that try to help patients stay healthier. So instead of just walking into, say, a diabetes front door, say your employer bought one specific point solution that only serves diabetes, and that's all the help you can get in that front door, we want to connect it to the EAP or the payer mental health benefit that they have, plus what kind of local resources might the hospital have. It's really difficult to navigate healthcare, which which is why you've seen this explosion of navigators. The problem is these digital front door navigators that are generally sold to employers and payers, they don't encompass the provider. And we all know that healthcare is local. I mean, that is the true failure of digital front doors. And so what we're trying to migrate to is to say, walk into any front door, come through your provider, come through your payer, come through your employer. And we call that networking it together so that it's easy to navigate for a patient. And what we've seen or what I've seen and experienced out there is it's difficult for patients because they come through one front door of one stakeholder and they're siloed to only the resources the payer has or they're siloed in their hospital front door, which is only the resources their hospital has. So the next generation is this any front door idea. But again, next generation. I think this is something that <laughs> from a consumer standpoint is not hard to put your finger on. Like how many patient portals <laughs> does everybody have? Which is often discussed, just the siloing of health information. If a patient's trying to collect all their health records, you have to log in six places. I heard a recording of a patient complaining the other day. She said, don't portal me, which is I think the, the point that you're making. Exactly. Something that even from an employer perspective, I hear complained about endlessly. Engagement is the hardest part. Like you get a great point solution that's really going to help 
patients who come down with COVID, I think is a really great example. And then you find out that the employees who really need it have no idea that it exists and they just went to the emergency room, despite the fact that there is something for them that could be very helpful. I 100% agree. Digital front door should be personalized and navigate the member in their time of need at the level of the time of need that they have. Personalization is just not as easy as everybody thinks it is. A lot of people try to tackle it. And I can tell you from the clients that we have how much money it takes to truly manage a content system that has all of these cues, timeline-based, EHR-based, claims data-based, what the patient's doing, there's a lot of work, technology work, and then you have to have a UI or UX experience that's elegant, that looks like Instagram or Facebook. I think the digital deployment is one of the hardest things that you can build because people do have high expectations based on their consumer life of what that should feel like and look like and be to them. Yeah, I think one of the things that's perpetually underestimated amongst healthcare stakeholders of all kinds, there's just sort of this hubris, you know, because I'm very good at the clinical aspects, that must mean marketing, pa. It's, it's not that difficult, right? And it's a whole science, consumer engagement and intrinsic rewards and un- extrinsic rewards. There's universities that are pretty much dedicated to that, which is very different than the clinical aspects here. So for sure. That being said, and maybe this is a reaction to just the proliferation of of, of point solutions and various quality or or something, far be it for me to try to figure out what the why is. But there are a number of health systems these days that are firing all their point solutions and starting to build in-house. Just based on what we were just talking about, I can probably infer some of what your response is going to be. But, you know, how's that going? I think that they're rightly condensing the applications. Like if you look at the thousands of point solutions that are out there and how confusing it is for patients to, you know, navigate and and nobody really wants, well, here's my anxiety app and here's my depression app and here's my calmness app and here's my I'm trying to get pregnant app. I think the health systems have wisely said, I don't want to have five different apps. I want to have a hospital system app that is connected to everything that I do and we smartly navigate to the resources that we have. But I think these health systems, truly, many of them have their own very large development teams trying to build their digital front doors out, which they have built. But, you know, what is their focus in life? Are they digital providers? Like, is this what their focus is? Or are they healthcare providers? And, you know, I've many times had providers come back to me, large health systems say, you offered it to me cheaper than I can manage it myself. It's costing me millions of dollars a year just to keep the content right. Yet we're not delivering a elegant consumer visual UI UX experience because this isn't our core competency. I do think the trend now is to condense within the hospital systems. Sometimes that's multiple vendors that they've hired separately and they're trying to have less of them or get them to funnel through their core application. I could also see that that would be something that a health system, what you just said, would need to deal with themselves as well. For example, there's very few patients that just go to one health system. I mean, leakage is a term for a reason. That's fragmentation for you, which is a hallmark of the American healthcare system. There's data sprinkled everywhere. So even if you're a pretty big health system, you would 
yourself then have to figure out if you actually want to be the digital front door, how to interact with the payer, how to fold in the payer data, how to fold in the employer data, how to fold in the health system across the streets data, how to fold in the independent doctors who are in the area's data, whoever else is in the clinically integrated network or whatever else is going on there, right? Well, that becomes very key in value-based arrangements because you want to have steerage. So for instance, in my world, if you're an OBGYN, you usually have labor and delivery authority at specific hospitals. But if one of those hospitals has a value-based deal with you, you want to make sure that your digital front door is steering the patient to that hospital. It's a key thing. In that particular case, it would be better actually for the health system to have the payers have something to do with the digital front door because you're not going to get steered patients that you already have. The truth of the matter is, I mean, we live in a capitalistic healthcare system. We all have a price tag on our head and that hospital system knows the value of you over your life to them. And so as long as you don't move out of the area, you know, their digital front doors can capture new patients, right? If they have a sophisticated, elegant, seamless experience where people can schedule appointments and get to telemedicine and not have to come come in and it just feels good for the patient. It's a better consumer experience. They're trying to capture that mom and her family and not lose them. One of the major reasons that hospitals had these digital front doors besides, you know, payments and trying to reduce administrative burden for physicians, a lot of it was about market capture. And now that we're moving from fee-for-service to value-based, there's a much bigger picture here around collaboration and steerage for those value-based contracts and who are the right providers. Well, it also sounds like it's a very value-based experience that if anybody is trying to figure out how to manage the entire continuum of care, being able to put those pieces together is going to be really important, especially for certain high-cost conditions where if you don't catch them quickly, there could be trouble downstream. So like if you wait for the emergency room visit or the suicide hotline, whatever, like that's obviously way too late. Exactly. And I don't know how, you know, part of these digital front doors are to educate so patients can help take care of themselves. I've always said, how will providers and payers ever be successful in value-based care if we don't have activated, educated, motivated patients, particularly those with chronic conditions or those that are starting to age and move in from low risk to high risk. So we want to get those signals early, leveraging digital front doors and healthcare interconnectivity so that we can help keep people healthy versus having a sick care reactive system. We need that technology, that digital front door to see, oh, he's looking at a lot of depression articles and make it easy for that member to touch here to potentially get the help he needs before we're in an ER crisis. So you have to create a sticky application that the patient wants to use, will come back to, and it solves all of their issues. It doesn't just solve, I'm going to look up my appointment or I'm going to look at my copay under my hospital, and then I've got to go to a different app to figure out who my case manager is or who my employer has hired. It's interesting when you say that because on one hand, someone could be thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, that sounds so space age and complicated, right? On the other hand, that's like 10 years ago in the consumer space. (laughs) You know, like 
any of these websites, pick one who is looking to create sticky and addicting consumer experiences, is doing all of what you just said and more. So you would hope that an industry, which is almost 20% of GDP creeping up on at this juncture, would be using tools that are well honed elsewhere. I think that's been the reluctance of, I'll call it creepy tech. You know, when you look at a purse online and then the purse starts following you on as you're scrolling (laughs) other pages. Nobody, the older generations, I won't say nobody, the older generations have been much more sensitive to having their healthcare data shared to create that consumer experience. But the younger generations expect this to be personalized, their healthcare, the content, their calls to action that are fed to them on their app will be different than the content that is fed to someone who is in their 40s and not trying to have a baby, you know, that needs to be thinking about mammograms and their children's health care. So the younger generations, I think, are much more comfortable with sharing data with the appropriate people, say their provider's application, and expecting that to be personalized than the older generations have been. And frankly, I don't know how, again, we succeed in value-based care without having personalized nudges, personalized content for everyone. And the only way to do that is to have access to data, them responding to surveys, us looking at what they're looking at inside applications, getting EHR, medical claims, visibility and insight to then better tailor the experience. One of the things that you're saying that is making me understand in a big way, a digital front door isn't just some sort of marketing term. That if we want to have a digital front door that opens up to access to provider information, payer information, other whatever resources, community information, really, you know, if we want to put everything that that a consumer has access to into one place behind one door, then obviously that requires a certain amount of collaboration amongst what is typically very siloed and fragmented healthcare ecosystem. So the one thing that I want to definitely ask you is not from a necessarily digital perspective. If we can't even manage to make sure that the treating physician has access to the history, historical information that the patient filled out on their intake forms, you know what I mean? Like within the same healthcare organization, which is something that I hear over and over again, then obviously it's harder than it may appear on TV to get stakeholders across organizations to collaborate and and share data. I know Wildflower has made leaps and strides in this area. What does that look like at Wildflower? And then maybe you could explain how you managed it. I will back up a little bit and say, what does a consumer want. And I won't call them all patients because you're patients when you're sick. You know, there's two different levels of what someone wants out of a digital front door when they're healthy versus when they're in a time of crisis and you have cancer, right? Those are two different experiences, personalized pathways. So at a very high level, you know, what someone wants, what a patient wants out of a digital front door, I would say, number one, convenience like they have in their consumer life. When you think about your Netflix, again, your Amazon account, 
account. You want to make it easy for them to connect to the right care and share their information and also that elegance that we've been talking about. They also want it to be a trusted source. And I would say the provider is the most trusted source. They actually do trust their employers. The problem with employers is that you move employers, right? You usually stay local unless you're moving for a job. So your provider app is generally more stable. And, you know, if a payer can get their attention, they do trust their payer applications, but it's much harder for payers to get patients to download an application and then we're stuck with the silos. It has to be broad enough also to be engaging. You're not going to go back again and again and again to you know your pregnancy app because one day you're going to have a baby. So you have to have that kind of continuum of information across the family journey. And let's face it, the average patient doesn't have one condition. If you have diabetes, you probably have depression and you might be trying to have a baby and you might have some social, emotional partner issues at home, right? That you could use some help with. So it has to be broad enough to be engaging and then connect to those deeper resources at that moment of time when they need that deeper resource. So we have to be able to triage their concern and have those calls to action to the member. It's truly smart navigation, these digital front doors must have, must have between the stakeholders of provider, health plan, virtual coach, point solutions, community. And it should be, last but not least, interoperable. The case manager at the health plan should know what the provider knows. So to your question that you, you know, first brought up before I went to the tangent of what everybody wants, when we went out at Wildfire, we said, okay, let's be the intake form and a value-based agreement between a payer and provider. Let's be that intake form. And all the questions that you typically answer for your doctor, your history, let's transfer that data in real time. So now the payer's at the point of care to the payer case manager. And because it was a value-based agreement, the payer and provider are working together to shrink the proverbial healthcare balloon and make it better. It was a better experience for the patient because they didn't end up answering the same darn questions to their payer case manager that they just answered for their provider when you take in that history. And so Wildfire was able to collapse those silos between payer and provider, which was the reason we were hired was to enable this value-based care agreement. So you can just see how all the wheels start working together and the importance of collapsing the silos between payers and providers. So before Wildflower was involved, a payer decided to create value-based agreements with, you know, providers across their MSAs, you know, their service area. So that happened. Then maybe somebody started scratching their, you know, chin pensively and was like, hey, this is not going to work so well if we're not sharing resources here. You know, everybody can win if we're all working together as opposed to sticking with our own little silos and duplicating care and doing all the things that go wrong when healthcare is fragmented. So they hired Wildflower as a facilitator, it sounds like, as a way to ensure that everybody could get the best results possible from this value-based agreement that they struck. And therefore, I'm just hypothesizing here, when a patient goes into their care provider, they're presented with this intake form that leads to the digital front door that both the the payer and the provider are, are behind? Or is it something proactively that's sent out? Like, how do you get this intake form? Digital front door connects to the payer and provider. You, you, you definitely have it. But what's interesting is it was the provider 
who said, I need to get my patients engaged. I want this and I have this value-based contract with a payer. So I want to be on the same page and have the same message going to the patient and not create barriers or have a lag. I want to utilize the resources that the payer has for the patient also. And so there has to be communication in real time. So the connection by using technology, using our digital front door, connected the two parties together or networked the two parties together. So it was one seamless experience for the patient. Let me ask you this though. So one of the big pushbacks that you'll get from mostly providers, but sometimes even payers themselves, is that, you know, a provider has a payer mix. So like maybe 30%, say, of their patients have a, a particular payer. So they're like, look, I need one continuum of care. Like I can't have a different process for every single payer. Like half the time the doctor has no idea even what insurance a a particular patient has until, you know, they get a call from the pharmacy saying that some drugs aren't on formulary and then they have to figure it out. I laugh. It's not funny. But how do you deal with the complexity of that and that, you know, even within a particular payer, there might be employers with carve outs. Like it's very fragmented. What we've done is deployed the digital so that it will work with any patient. And then we have the ability to authenticate and say, oh, this is part of a payer contract that has a value-based care arrangement. So they get these extra resources. What's interesting and the piece that's missing from what you just said is the employer Do they have something special? So we do see providers wanting to go direct in their community to the employers, which where we could navigate those benefits and incorporate and authenticate multi-parties in a network product so that you could see, okay, not only is this a, you know, payer ABC client or Anthem, whoever, it's also Citibank. And we know what benefits they have. So that is exactly what we're talking about with pulling all of these reins together. So there could be, let's just say, three kinds of patients then who may interact with your app. So if they go in their provider office, let's just use that as the entry point in this hypothetical here. So if I'm a patient and I go into my provider, I got my payer and my employer are not involved here. In this case, I'm getting wildflower through my provider and I can get access to the resources and whatnot, which the provider and, you know, gets through wildflower. So I have that set of resources and the provider can get at the information, et cetera, but it sort of ends there. That's patient one. Patient two, my payer, a carrier is also a wildflower partner. Then I can get access to the provider and the payer. And then the third example would be my employer is two. And in that case, you get all of the bits and pieces connected. Is that sort of how it works? Because I mean, obviously you can't work with and have access to programs from somebody who's not your client, right? Correct. So the most difficult piece of that there is if it's the employer and it's a national program, you can't, you know, canvas the country all at once, but you can do it in a localized area. And most employers in the United States are under, you know, two, 3,000 lives and they're in localized areas or even a national account. You can look where their biggest population densities are and have connections to the local providers within the application that can authenticate this is a member from a company that has access to a value-based program. It is possible to put all those three things together and serve up all resources in one place 
for the patient. It definitely sounds like the network effect is a thing here. And I'm assuming that one of the things that's really important to you guys would be to be available in as many provider organizations as possible. Because without that, then there's a very significant data set that would be missing or a very significant way to access patients that would also be missing? Or maybe do you want to just talk a little bit about how do you achieve that network effect? We look for high densities and we look for providers in our particular instance. We look for providers who want to be part of value-based arrangements. And when we work with a provider and we take risk with the provider to shrink the balloon and approach the payers. And occasionally it's the payers going out to the providers, you know, trying to move them from fee-for-service to value-based. But when you work with one payer for a provider, then you look at their next largest payer and then approach their payer and say, are you interested in the value base? Because what I will say is providers have learned that they don't want to have multiple different programs. To your point earlier, they want one digital application. And when it comes to value-based care, they really want to have one bundle that they're approaching the market with, right? They don't want to have a bundle with Anthem, a bundle with Cigna, a bundle with United Healthcare. That's not how they want to approach the market with different rules of engagement. So I think providers have really gotten smart and look at companies as a value-based enabler that allows them to have one digital front door to approach multiple payers and get them networked in to make their lives easier, not to mention have one bundle type across the different payers to, again, know what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve. One more interesting concept, if you're not starting from the provider If the employer is leading the charge, it's also very easy to go focus on their highest density populations and say, hey, employer XYZ is interested in a value-based care, a digitally enabled, elegant experience for their patients. Hey, provider, are you interested in being part of their network where they are steering patients to your facilities because we've determined that you are high quality and low cost, right? We want you in our network. And I mean, we've all been searching for that holy grail, right? So so you can start with the provider and go to the payer, or you can start with the employer and go to the providers. And of course, payers are all interested in moving to value-based care. But I find that the most critical and the most powerful stakeholders to moving toward these elegant digital front doors that also have value-based care, because that's just such a key component of our healthcare world today is trying to move our system, is either the employer or the provider. Those are the two most powerful groups to move those contracts faster and create these experiences that are best for the patient. Relative to value-based care or otherwise, what do the stakeholders want? Payers, providers? Yeah, because we work with both segments of both stakeholders, they relatively want a lot of the same things. They both do want market growth, patient loyalty. They want engaged, activated, educated patients. Providers, they want to be rewarded for improved patient care because we're moving away from that fee-for-service hamster wheel, kind of providing low-value care so they can focus on those high-risk moms. Providers in particular want it to be easier to deliver that care where it's efficient for them. And, you know, patients really want this consumer experience that they that they feel everywhere else. They want convenient access. Of course, they want it to be affordable. We haven't touched much on that today. I think a new direction in the younger 
view and generation is shared decision-making. And of course, everybody wants trusted information. Nobody wants Dr. Google. So I think there's a lot of alignment between all parties in healthcare, including patients. Really, what I'm seeing is tech enablement of that blended with value-based care. And that alignment between the stakeholders is really going to improve the total healthcare spend and outcomes. Kristen, do you want to just talk a little bit about Wildflower? Wildflower has developed a digitally enabled care solution that activates women and their families to connect to care. And it's wildflower.com? That's right. Go to wildflower.com and hit contact us if, if you'd like to have a discussion. And I thank you for having me today. Kristen Bagley, thank you so much for being on Relentless Health Value today. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at relentlesshealthvalue.com. If you visit the website, relentlesshealthvalue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.